think it comes down to knowing that the base of the character and what they bring to that story and what kind of feeling you want to portray on the image and, and whether that character is an evil guy or a, a good guy or you know uh, what, what are they doing in the photo are they you know shooting lightning out of their hands or something like that Jim Fox, and welcome to the Lumen Innovation Podcast, where we shine a light on innovation, creativity, entrepreneurship, and the creative people who make our world a better and more interesting place to live. In today's episode of the Lumen Innovation Podcast, we enter into the creative world of cosplay. That's costume role play. Recently, I had the opportunity to sit down for a chat with cosplayer Heather Holdren, who sometimes goes by the name of Holly Glowhawk, and also with an amazing photographer and composite artist, Chris Kay. Together, these two creators will give you a glimpse into the unique and wonderful world of cosplay. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Lumen Innovation Podcast. We're here today with Heather and Chris, who are into cosplay. Chris is a photographer for cosplay, and Heather is a cosplay, I guess we call you an actor or a model? A cosplayer usually works. A cosplayer. Okay. Very cool. Uh, so Chris Kay is uh, the owner and proprietor of? Cosplay Composites. Cosplay Composites, where you take pictures of uh, folks doing cosplay and, and right. kind of bling them up quite a bit. Yep. Very cool. And Heather, you've been doing cosplay now for how long? Oh my gracious, I would probably say eight years now. You know, I try to make my own costume, so I, I level up, but I would conservatively say maybe about eight, nine years. Okay, let's throw out a, a softball uh, to whichever you two want to handle it. Uh, there's folks out there listening that have probably never even heard of cosplay. Give us the, like a 30-second version of what is this world? What is oh it about? Oh, my. Okay. It's an artistic form that really allows you to embody any character that you kind of have a correlation with. You know, people will make or buy their own cosplays, and they will either go to conventions, rent booths, and just kind of live a few hours or a day in the life of this character that resonates with them. Okay. Usually, it's, usually it's from like a film or a TV show or... Um, things like that, or even stories that they've read. The world is wide, right? There's uh, any media that works: uh, comics, video games, television shows, movies, movies, books, yeah. and people even do original characters. Like if there's a, a Dungeons and Dragons group, some pe uh, some people will cosplay their character, okay, their original creation. And so this is. Uh, I was thinking on the way driving here uh, that this is definitely not Halloween outfit kind of thing. It is way beyond that. It is. It's definitely, for one, it's more expensive. Um, <laughs> well, I think something we mentioned is like the bunny suit I'm wearing, I made, and it cost about $300 just for the materials to make it. For Halloween, I guess to make most people are going to spend about $50, $50, $60. They'll go to the spirit store and buy a little outfit and a little wig and just have a few hours of fun. Yeah, and they'll usually put that together in a day or two or maybe a week or two if you're yeah. on the ball. Uh, but, but the stuff that you're doing and, and the rest of the folks in the cosplay is a months-long process to get oh, there. Oh, yes. I actually have a vision board at home, and I actually have what I'd like to be the cosplays I put out for 2018. 
Wow. It's subject to change, but these are like the showstoppers that I want to try and get out there. Okay. So that you're kind of on the verge of some version of a professional at this then. You've, you've been doing this a while. And I've, I've had conventions asking for me. I've had people hit my Facebook page up asking for me to sell prints, do tutorials. It's an interesting opportunity, but I've had some family drama that prevented me from doing it. Do you have a, a Facebook page and social media page specifically for your cosplay or just on your personal page? Actually, I do have a cosplay page. I use the cosplay name Holly Gloha. If you do a Google search for it, it will find, uh, it'll pull up my pages, my Facebook, my Instagram, my Twitter, um, maybe even somewhere out there, my model mayhem that I completely forgot about. Okay. Uh, let's set the scene here. Uh, Chris, talk about where we are right now. And, <laughs> and then also well, when you're done with that, then Heather can tell us uh, what outfit she is currently in or what costume. Okay. So uh, we are currently in my studio or AKA my garage. Um, I, you know, retrofitted the garage to be a studio for me to, you know, be able to take uh, uh, photos in a, like, controlled environment. So, um, basically, um, we're staring at a backdrop of uh, large paper. Sometimes it's black, sometimes it's gray or white. Um, that helps me uh, with compositing and things. Uh, we also have like a, a light setup, simple light setup uh, with um, some soft boxes, um, CFLs to produce those that light. Um, sometimes they're colored lights. Um, a whole lot of wiring and things like that to give us power. Um, and that's that's pretty much all you need to to complete the uh, process of taking photos in controlled environment. But um, yeah, it's a very simple setup. Um. At first glance, when I when I first walked in, my initial split second impression was like, okay, this garage is as cluttered as every garage in America. We're all <laughs> guilty of it. Uh, but even uh, you know a second or so as I get to a chance to kind of absorb it, 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 you've got a lot of stuff here that is very specific to your needs in a garage. It is not the typical table saws and everything else is filling up when everyone else's garages. You've got various light setups and. And all kinds of things piled over here by the big garage door with uh, that that I'm assuming are all meant for sets and prop. Uh, yeah. Pieces. So yeah, I started this. Uh, I actually started the prop collection before I even started taking the photos. So like, I, I the moment I started cosplay photography was the moment I wanted to dress up. So I like, I'm like, okay, let's. I was in between jobs, and I'm like, okay, so. Let's do something fun. So I, I'm like, I want to dress up as these characters. I, I'm a nerd at heart. I love Star Wars. I love, you know, animes and cartoons and and uh, comic books and superheroes and things like that. So, like, it all comes from a very passionate uh, yearning to be, to play out this character. So um, I started dabbling in, okay, let's take a photo of me. So I would dress up. And I would set the camera on the tripod, put the timer on, and I'm like, okay, let's do this. So I'd run over, pose, run over the camera. Take, it would take the picture, and I would look at it and you know, double check to see if it was okay. And I would do this several times, and by the end, I was sweating. you know. So, <laughs> and yep. that was kind of like the moment where I'm like, okay, I need professional models. I can't do this. I'd rather take the pictures than be in a costume sweating. So I 
that's the moment that clicked for me that's, that said, I need professional models, I need cosplayers to be in front of my camera so that I can make art that's awesome. Yeah, just looking around here, a quick list of the things that I, I see, and I'm sure I don't know the names for all of these things, but uh, swords and shields, I see a gun holster, kind of an old Wild West kind of a gun holster. Uh, various Star Wars outfit pieces, um, a couch. You guys were using a couch earlier for a photo shoot, uh, those kind of things. So, so all the all the props you might expect to see in in your, I guess, in your movies or, or comic books. Uh, Heather, talk about what uh, you're currently dressed as right now. <laughs> I'm dressed up like Poison Ivy from the Batman comics, okay. and this is a character that has many different looks. She's undergone many different styles. I actually drafted my own version. I was heavily inspired by Dita Von Teese, the pinup uh, pin model. And I thought, you know, Ivy's a very strong and sexy character. I looked at some of Dita's outfits and found one that resonated and kind of did one based off of her look. Okay. And so this is, of course, is an audio media here on the podcast. Uh, and you're very visual right now with your look. Can you describe to the listeners what how you're dressed? Oh, my. So it's a green bunny suit. And it's got some strategically placed flowers and pieces of ivy to kind of fit the character's themes. Uh, I've got the opera length gloves. And one of the things that Dita did with her gloves that I thought was very sassy is the top half is opaque. And, the, or excuse me, the top half is... Um, like a stretchy, not see-through material, and the bottom half is a see-through material, which I thought gave just a little bit more of a, an allure, you know, the, the mandatory fishness that go with the bunny suit and the high heels. But like I said, lots and of strategic fire bright requests. red hair. Oh, yes. Uh, funny story about the wig, and I told this one to Chris. I wanted big showstopper hair. Okay. So when you style your wig, you pin it to your little mannequin head, and I flipped it upside down and sprayed it and sprayed it and sprayed it, but the hairspray wouldn't dry. So I thought, okay, wait overnight. So I, I kind of tied it up in the shower and just left it there. And I forgot the boyfriend was going to stay up late and play video games and walked in the bathroom and saw this floating upside down head and started screaming <laughs> and woke me up. <laughs> it's fun living with the cosplayer. I can bet that would be quite a scene walking at two in the morning <laughs> in the bathroom and you see this head looking thing hanging from the shower. Yeah, just <laughs> flame red hair just dangling from the shower rod. You Very know, cool. they, they, you know, when a guy dates a cosplayer, he thinks it's going to be coming home and she's in her little bunny suit and they never think it's going to be putting the outfit together, wig heads in the bathroom, stepping on pieces of glitter or the mandatory pin or two. It tests the, the bonds of love. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the, uh, the Loom Innovation podcast, we're t we try to talk about uh, creativity and entrepreneurship. Um, and we've got a little bit of both here uh, from multiple perspectives. So I w we're going to spend some time talking about the creativeness of coming up with the, the costumes. Uh, why do you do that and all that kind of stuff? And then we're also going to spend some time with Chris talking about how do you turn a hobby of photography and a hobby of cosplay into a business. So we're going to cover a little bit of each of those things. Um, Chris, to talk about, uh, you, so you mentioned a few minutes ago how you started a, as a cosplay hobbyist and then you wanted to take pictures. How long ago was that when you started that? Um, I think it was about two years ago. Um, yeah, so it was two years ago. I was in between jobs and, and basically just um, wanted to... I actually wanted to... I was searching for a way to do uh, composite art, and I was following a couple of artists um, that are that are compositors themselves, and I was really interested in that that aspect of art and putting several different images together to make one giant piece of art. Um, I was following um, Josh uh, Rossi, um, 
which is a really famous um, compositor. Um, he does a lot of uh, commercialized art for Coca-Cola, and they're all uh, really cool composites and stuff. So I followed him, and uh, I, I followed a uh, tutorial, YouTube tutorials, um, like Flern is a very popular one. Um, Aaron Nace is a really popular compositor, so I follow them, and that's kind of how I taught myself how to composite. So that's only a couple years ago, but you, but I know you've been in photography and, and filmmaking and all that for many, many years. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's kind of a, you've kind of carved out a niche here in, in that art to get this specific stuff for cosplay. And you said that you, you, you're interested in cosplay, but you don't really do that much anymore because you're, you're mostly behind the yeah, camera? Yeah, I'm too busy to cosplay okay. myself. I was really interested in, in actually building a costume. Um, I was really interested in, in building a specific character, uh, a bounty hunter, and I bought the, the helmet, and I, was I bought the armor and stuff, and I was going to paint it, and I just fell into the art of creating the images and just I don't have time to actually create my own costume anymore. How, how is the, I mean, both of those are, are creative in their own right. How can you kind of compare and contrast the two creative uh, sides of being a cosplay, uh, cosplayer versus a photographer? Are you, are you kind of pulling from the same part of the creative brain or is, it, is, there, is there something different there? Um, I think it's the same kind of process, but um Photography is more technical, uh, very, um, like, editing is, in, in its own right, is a certain kind of art. Um, so, and you use different tools. So you're, you're kind of painting a picture, both as a cosplayer and a photographer, and you're trying to paint a canvas that's blank. And so in, in, this, in similarities, yeah, they're very similar. So... But and you're trying to create an image and a scene and play that out on uh, just visually. So they're both visual. So that you know you got a costume, you can see it with your own eyes. You can see them, the cosplayers acting out and things like that. And you can do the same with uh, photography and editing images and creating emotion and telling a story. So I guess one one difference uh, that comes to mind here is. Uh, cosplays, the, this oversimplified version like we mentioned earlier is going to a Halloween uh, party or something with a costume on and that lives for the moment. You're, a, you're that character for an hour or two. But when you kind of uh, morph into the photography world, now that character lives forever or at least several years until someone loses the picture, right? So how did you, Heather, make that transition of I want to be a character for a night for a couple hours versus no, I really want pictures of this that are professionally done and really well made so I can kind of somewhat, a part of me will be that character forever. I actually saw a lot of people become cosplay guests and I would see the photographs that they were doing. They would seek out professionals and because these professionals knew their lighting, their angles, and knew how to make this character pop, I thought, well, I want to do that too. So I, had, I was lucky. I had friends that were photographers that were willing to work with me. And through that, I learned how to pose as the character, hit my lighting, hit my angles, and network and meet other photographers. And what I like is each photographer, it may be the same costume I wear in front of them, but each photographer is going to give me a picture that has a different theme. Some may go boudoir sexy, some may go dark and gothic, some may try to blow it up nice and bright and make like the old 1960s Batman campiness. And to me, it's always interesting because what my outfit looks like to me and what it looks like to the photographer are two separate things, and I like seeing the artistry behind it. What is it that you're looking for to get a collection of photos of, of your character? What, why, why would you go spend 
hours and dollars to ha now have a, a photo book of this is the character I had in 2016 or whatever. What, what are you looking for there to to have as an end product? Why, why do you have that desire? When I initially started out, and it's still something I'm entertaining the idea, I was originally going to try and get a collection so I could get a booth and start talking to the photographer for the right to sell photos. Okay. Now I actually kind of do it because I enjoy the artistry behind it. I like to look back and relive the moments. Uh, and you can also watch the talent develop both between myself and my photographer friends I've been working for with years. I can see where I was doing basic stitches and then I start learning where I learned to rouge, where I learned to embroider, where I learned to embellish. And I just kind of like the documentation of my journey. So there is truly a maker spirit. A lot of the episodes we do on the Limit Innovation podcast, we're talking with makers and creators. And and much of the reason why I wanted to cover this particular subject is because it's it's really not, I guess at first glance, thought of as a maker movement kind of a thing. But there's no question it definitely is. There is definitely a lot of that going on. Oh, yes. Uh, when I started sewing, I learned at a little mom and pop sewing studio. And they taught me the basics on how to read a pattern and my costumes were very simple, straight line skirts, um, easy blouses. And now I'm up to the point where I was recreating Civil War era ball gowns. I'm doing structured bunny suits with, you know, rod boning on the inside of it. I'm getting to the point where I'm learning to do different types of embroidery. And I think in the world of cosplay, my next big steps would probably be start working with Warbler, which is the thermoplastic people use to make these elaborate armors from World of Warcraft games and, and other bits of fantasy that are just showstoppers. What is that material again? It's a thermoplastic. It and looks it... like a sheet. It just looks like a brown sheet. And you can actually cut designs, warm it up, and shape it into pauldrons or leg armor. And then you prime it and paint it and you, you add on you know uh, leather straps. So next thing you know, you've got a full structured suit of armor. And the name of the product? It's called Warbla. Spell that. W-O-R-B-L-A. Oh, There's also a product called Centra, uh, S-E-N-T-R-A. Okay. Oh, yeah, and there's uh, Same kind of thing. Wonderflex and... It's very light, and but it creates the that uh, armoristic so feel. So part of the reason why I have a podcast is because I'm just perpetually curious, and when I learn new things, that's good. So you guys have found me. You're giving me something new to Google. This is yeah. good. It's a good oh, thing. Oh, the, the things <laughs> people create. Uh, there's a yeah. cosplayer I adore by the name of Kamui, and it's K-A-M-U-I. If you look up her name and the word Warbla, it's pure eye candy art. This this is Very a woman cool. that knows what she's doing. She's really brought Warbla to the forefront. And as a cosplayer, I find her inspiring because she's not one of the few gatekeepers of her techniques. When she ah, learns good. something, she shares it with the community. Perfect. That's definitely uh, in the maker spirit, uh, no question. I know there's a lot of costumes that are coming around here in the last few years that, that involve some 3D printing as well. Uh, some of the Star Wars characters come to mind. Uh, so have you guys started playing with that at all? Are you I actually do have that? a 3D printer. Um, okay. I know some people are very kind, and they put some of those patterns out there, which is going to be useful. I've got a cosplay coming up I want to do, and I've seen people just do a basic pattern of this character's earrings, of all things. So instead of having to work with Warbla and craft foam, I can probably print it out, sand it down, and paint it, which will save me quite a bit of time. Very cool. Uh, yeah, this, there's definitely a lot of creative thing going on there. Uh, you mentioned earlier that your uh, your costume is is very much inspired by Poison Ivy, but also customized a bit. How how do you find the balance between custom and authentic for the characters? Oh, that one's a bit of a hard one. Uh, usually, I'll pick a character that resonates with me, and if for some reason the original outfit doesn't inspire me. I may think of something that is associative to it, you know, like uh, Poison Ivy is a very sexy character, so is Dita Von Teese. And 
I can look at Dita's gallery of work and say, okay, this is a bustier that I think is very beautiful. If I was to do this like poison ivy, instead of using rhinestones, I would use flowers. I would use ivy. I would use a green motif. So I usually find a correlation between the inspirational character and maybe another um, inspiration source. Another one is I did a character called Blair the Cat. Okay. And it's a character that actually has a witch's style costume. But this is also when Gothic Lolita was all the rage. So I'd look at the character's basic outfit and I would look at Gothic Lolita fashions and incorporate pieces like that into it. And it's a little more fun to me because I can take this character that's cosplayed quite a bit, still cosplay the character and still be unique. My character would stand out versus just a simple basic witch outfit. Do you find in the uh, in the industry in the in the community of cosplayers that there's a bit of a friendly uh, rivalry or f friendly infighting about those that truly support the authentic, the authentic costumes versus those that like the customization? When it first came out, it used to be canon costumes only. You could not deviate from the source. It was considered vulgar. It was considered tacky. You know, fast forward seven, eight years to the present nowadays, people are a little more accepting and accommodating of it because it allows people's artistic spirits to get out there and you can kind of see what is inspiring to an individual. So if you were to take myself and four other girls and say cosplay Poison Ivy, whatever look you want to do, you're going to get four gorgeous, unique looks. You know, some girls may do like a two-piece outfit with some strategically placed vining. Somebody might actually reference a canon costume. I've got my Dita version. And somebody might even do like a full head-to-toe body paint. I guess an extension of the uh, authentic versus creative is, is some of the gender changing. Like I saw a picture earlier on Chris's website of, of a, uh, a woman doing Superman. I love gender bending. I really do. Um, there was one of my favorites was a cosplay group that did a gender bend of the entire Justice League of America. You had Superman, you had Batwoman. Superman, I've never it was heard of that amazing. Before. <laughs> and this <laughs> really is just good. when they were starting to allow gender bending creativity. And when you see the entire Justice League gender bent and everybody looks supermodel gorgeous, to me it's inspiring. Very and cool. it also opens up the yeah. door for me to cosplay male characters like Han Solo or McCree from Overwatch and not have to worry about, you know, can I cross dress and dress like a man? Now I know I can do a gender bend version where it's like I'm a woman, but I'm female hand solo. So as a cosplayer, I'm sure as a as a nerd hobbyist of this, you know hundreds or dozens of characters, but you probably only know one or two or maybe five or so really, really well to be able to go and build those characters. But as a photographer, you've got to be able to handle anything that walks in the door. <laughs> How many of these characters come in and you really have no clue what the hell they are or who they are? Well... There are quite a few, actually, and that's one of the reasons why I, in my process, I do research. So I'll, you know, I'll schedule the shoot with them. I'll be like, hey, you know, choose your time and date, and let me know what cosplayers you're bringing, what characters you're bringing to the table, because I need to know what I'm shooting in order to know what, how I want to pose you, what you, what your character is going to be doing. So I go in researching like homework, and I go in. Yeah. I'll type yeah. in the character in Google. I'll look up their storyline. What powers do they have? So I know what effects to put in the photo. So it's I, there's definitely a lot of anime characters I wasn't familiar with, and now I'm like, oh, that sounds interesting, or oh, okay, I'm never watching that. <laughs> right. Like, okay. So there's yeah. there's a bit of mixture of what I do know. There's a, there's about 90% I do know and very familiar with, but there there's that, you know, that 10% that's like, okay, I have no idea what you're talking about. I have to look this up first. 
So for the, the, the shows that I do on the Loom Innovation Podcast, I do try to spend a lot of time researching on the different subjects of the various episodes. But with the busyness of the holidays, I will admit I have not put a lot of time into this particular subject. And I, I hope it doesn't show, but I suspect that it probably will. Um, but on the shows, the shows that I have time to research, I'm, I'm pretty happy and proud of, of the end result on those. Do you have times where you're doing a photo shoot where you didn't have time to prepare and didn't have time to research, and how does that affect the end result, or at least the way you perceive the end result? Um, there has been times where I've done the shoot and finished some of the edits, and I'm like, they're like, oh, yeah, this character has this power. I didn't know that. Didn't like, oh, that. thanks thanks for telling me that. That would have been a cool shot. So there has been times where I didn't know enough to really – get a really fantastic epic image but i mean most of my images come out and i'm really proud of them but um i think it comes down to knowing that the base of the character and what they bring to that story and what kind of feeling you want to portray on the image and and whether that character is an evil guy or a, a good guy or you know, uh, what he, What are they doing in the photo? Are they, you know, shooting lightning out of their hands or something like that? Yeah, so definitely I'm, I'm sure it pays uh, dividends that you, you're a hobbyist of this as well, so you inherently know certainly the, the concept of the superheroes or the characters, even if you don't know all of them, but that definitely do, does help. What do you find uh, your customers come in and they call you and say, hey, let's do a shoot next Saturday. What do you find that that customer is really wanting out of the process? What, what uh, Surely they're not just looking for a, a stack of printouts of pictures. What what do they really? What is their end end want there? Uh, from my point of view, it's uh, a, a mixture of different things because uh, some people do it for di- totally different reasons. Um, so uh, a lot of them come in uh, just wanting to be a part of a community and cosplaying and uh, being able to show their other cosplay friends that hey, I'm part of this too, and we can be a family. That kind of thing. They're looking for relationships. They're looking for friends. They're looking for um, things like that. There's other cosplayers that are very professional that, hey, I want to produce art, and I want to be part of that process, and I want to learn some st- things about photography, and, and I want to learn how to uh, pose pr- uh, you know, efficiently. Or this is all going towards a career in film or acting. I mean, some of them branch off that way. Uh, there's others where they're already professionals and they want to do something more unique. Oh, I've done, you know, uh, swimsuit poses and shoots, but I want to venture out into something new. So some are, some are actually using it as a legitimate uh, professional resume filler to go yeah, out oh and yeah, get jobs definitely. in acting or in modeling or whatever. Yeah, I've, I've actually had uh, models use the uh, images of their uh, cosplay shoots as a... Um, door into uh, a career. So, so you, you mentioned some of that earlier, Heather. Do you have anything to add there? Is, have you used the results here from uh, cosplay composites to actually go out and get a job or get money? Is, does it actually have you got it's, to that level it yet? It's a myriad of responses that are all, to me, absolutely positive. Um, as somebody who works in the medical field, when people find out about my cosplay hobby, they can look at these photos because when they first think of cosplay, it's usually childish or they they have a negative connotation to it but when they see this kind of artwork and artistry then they actually start to respect it for what it is um in the community people will understand the work that you put into a costume the work that you put into a photo shoot and i've had conventions reach out to me because these higher end photos caught their eye and they say you know how to model you know how to make your costumes you know how to network 
So the photos do bring a positive influence into my cosplay hobby. So you're getting invited to go to conventions to more or less walk around and be a part of the show. Is that correct? Usually when they invite you to be a guest, you get to have a table and you can sell whatever your wares are, whether they're um, pictures or any art that you make. And they usually want you to do a, a few panels where you teach a few classes on, in my case, it would be sewing, it'd be modeling, wig styling, makeup. And sometimes you can get to host a cosplay contest where you interview people and you talk to them about their cosplay and they get to compete for, for prizes. And usually if they see a judge that they know is experienced, have professional photography and know how to make their own cosplays, the newbie cosplayers or the people in the competition feel a lot better. They feel like this is somebody who knows the artistry, who understands the work that's put into it. And I don't, you know, they, they tend to respect that kind of work. I wonder if any of the uh, either comic book authors or film studios have seen this hobby as it's grown up in the last 10 or 15 years and actually have used that however the fans embrace it to invent a new character that is more friendly to cosplay is that you have you guys heard of that ever kind of clues in the loop there's there was a character by or a character there was a gentleman by the name of monty ohm who, who sadly passed away a few years ago and he creates a show called ruby and when he was designing his characters he even said he tried to keep them cosplay friendly he tried to put the seams where a seam would be he tried to create these characters with pockets and pouches because he understood that cosplayers cosplaying these characters needed somewhere to put their cell phones, needed somewhere to clip their badges, and he actually drafted these characters in respects to how a cosplayer would make the outfit. That's very cool, where the, the fans and the hobbyists are driving the industry a little bit. Oh, yes, that, and, and as somebody really cool. who cosplays one of his characters, I found that so incredibly respectful. Okay, yeah, that, that's definitely neat uh, to have some of the big companies listening to the, to the finger quote little guys. Uh, so that, that's really good. Yeah, I know some video game companies that, uh, ha you know, follow cosplayers and are, you know, see the video game guys, you know, create a character and then they see someone wearing a costume and they're like, wow, that's amazing. And they would, I know um, a cosplayer, specific cosplayer that actually was in contact with the video game designers and they're like, yeah, I'm trying to create this costume uh, and I don't have all the angles of the character, and uh, he has this specific item, and do, do you have this? And they actually sent a 3D print to him. He's like, here, you can use this. Wow. So That's, that's very, very cool. Do you get any weird, uh, weird, weird requests request from your customers about uh, ph photographing certain things or anything kind of way out, way out of left field that you maybe say, no, I'm not going to do that? <laughs> um. Not really. I'm. I. I know that art is a form of expression, and there's nothing really weird to me or out of place. Or I mean, I think everything has a purpose. Every everyone has a style. Um, I mean, there's like you get the images where it's very sexy and very uh, uh, boudoir. Boudoir, yeah. And then you get you get the you know the the tough guy wanting you know I want to blow things up in my image and I want to be tough. I want to show my veins popping out, so things like that, that, that shows real, like very, a rough, rough cut of them and very, uh, strong showing the strength in them. Uh, I, I, sh I shoot stuff that's, um, very, um, animated and, f and funny and cute and anime like where they're showing ev like extreme expressions and silly things and things like that like w as uh, anime and manga uh, showing their cartoons and stuff. Let's break out of the program here for a few seconds to give a shout out to our sponsor Puzzometry, the hardest puzzle you'll never solve. 
If you love working on challenging, unique, and beautiful mechanical puzzles, then you've just got to try Puzzometry. P-U-Z-Z-O-M-E-T-R-Y, Puzzometry.com. They have three different puzzles to choose from, and all are for sale at Puzzometry.com. Check it out. You'll be glad that you did. Puzzometry can also be found on Twitter and Facebook. I want to thank you for tuning in to the Luminovation Podcast, where we shine a light on innovation. Before we get back to the program, I want to let you know that you can find all of the episodes of the Luminovation Podcast on our webpage, luminovation.com. That's L-U-M-Innovation.com, luminovation.com. We are also on iTunes as well as soundcloud.com. A lot of your pictures remind me... um, Oh, I don't know. The thing that comes to mind, I guess, is like the movie Transformers or any action movie where there's just a million things blowing up in the scene in the background and then some superhero is running out of the dust and so saving the day somehow. And your your uh, your composites seem to capture that. So you've got the the model, the actor, the actress in front, all kinds of things going on in the background. Talk about how, how that process goes. How, how do you go from having someone walk in and dress like Poison Ivy until a week or two or a month later and now there's this huge, crazy scene that looks like it's out of a movie? Um, yes. Uh, first of all, I try to tackle uh, creating these images from the point of view of a movie. And I'm, if I wanted a movie poster and I was trying to sell a movie, what would I want this image to be? Well, they and look I, the part. They definitely yeah, do. Yeah. yeah. So I try to do it that way and approach it that way. And if it's not, if that, if I don't see that in a movie or a, like a clip of a scene of a movie, then I mean, that's that's the way I approach it. So um, so when they come in and they have the costume. Um, I'm shooting them against a backdrop, so like, um, so I'm, I'm assuming that I'm just going to cut all that backdrop and background out and just create my own. So, um, so uh, they, everything that you're photographing on shoot day, which today in the case of Poison Ivy, right. is that you're going to you're going to totally eliminate everything except the person and and the right. outfit. Right. Okay. It's very very rare that I'll actually use the backdrop as the image. Sometimes I'll do that if I just don't want to go crazy with the compositing and I sure. want to, you know, finish yeah. the image quickly. Um, I'll sometimes use the backdrop for the image. It gives it a, you know, blur out the background. It gives it a nice art, artistic feel to it. Um, so then what's the next step after you photoshopped out the, the model and now you've got more or less a totally blank, wide open slate? Yeah. So uh, I then uh, create my own background. So I'll create another, like, um, black a digital background, and that gives me a blank canvas. So, um, and then my mind just goes crazy with just what do I want to portray? What pose? Well, f- specifically, what pose are they in first, and then go from there. So, uh, if they're uh, you know has their have their hand out shooting lightning, and they're in this sort of crouching stance, um, then I'll try and put in the groundwork for um, textures and things. So like. Uh, oftentimes I'll go out on photo walks and take pictures of the ground and streets and sidewalks and gravel and rock, uh, things like that. And I'll actually use that in the image. So nice. I'll take those textures and create the ground. Um, and then if there's sky in the image, I'll go ahead and take pictures of sky and, you know, change colors of that, use sunsets, things like that to make the 
the image very dramatic and uh, give it a nice movie feel to it. So and it may not even be a valid question. I don't know the field nearly as well as you do, but how many layers are in uh, in one of these typical pictures? Is it, it, it five? Is it 50? Is it 100 layers of different? Uh, it, it depends. It varies between image to image, depending on what I'm trying to portray and what's in the background. I mean, if there's, if uh, to give an example, um, this uh, Supergirl image over there, uh, didn't have a lot of layers because she was in the sky, so there's not much to do. You just put the sky in the background and give it some different lighting and uh, shading and things like that, and then it, and Is it's that completed. one on your website where a listener could now pull up a web page? Uh, yes, that's that's uh, Megan Booth or Megan B um, uh, as Supergirl, and you can pull that up off my website or, or social media. At cosplaycomposites.com. Yes. And then search for Megan B. Uh, that, I don't think that's how that works. You're going to have to go into my um, Flickr. I'm, I'm probably going to have to edit the website so it's easier to find people on there. But for okay. now, if you want to look uh, for specific cosplayers, you'll just have to you know roam through my gallery and try to find her. And it is really quite a gallery. It, it is fun to wander through that website and see it. We'll talk more about the, the process as we as we get through, uh, into the show here further, but it gives the kind of a taste of it. Mm -hmm. uh, Heather, what are some of the characters that you have played in the past, and maybe what, uh, maybe more importantly, what is the next character that's in the in your queue? Oh my, my characters are so varied. Um, it's just whatever character resonates with me. You know, the, the first one I was thinking of is Doctor Mrs. The Monarch from the Venture Brothers, and she's kind of inspired by campy supervillains, and I just absolutely loved her confidence. I loved her sexual character. Um, I love the fact that she was absolutely in love with this guy that's kind of a doofus that wants to take over the world, but what they have is a genuine love for each other. Um, Sailor Venus, which is one of these you know sweet little good girls that kind of saved the world from the Japanese anime Sailor Moon. Um, there was a character by the name of Madame Red who was a woman with an incredibly promising future, but everything just kind of fell apart, and it just kind of resonated with me how much this woman was losing until she eventually lost herself. I mean, there's different aspects of characters that speak to me. One of my favorites uh, is Weiss Schnee from the series Ruby. And she's an heiress who's starting to realize that perhaps her family doesn't have the best morals and scruples. So she leaves her family to basically become a monster hunter. And for some reason, I'm just latched onto my, that character. She's one of my absolute favorites. My next big cosplay is Princess Serenity from the Sailor Moon series. And it's a fan art that I had seen by this artist by the name of No Flutter. And she loves to do Rococo styles, Victorian, lots of detailing. Um, and I saw this design, and even though Princess Serenity wasn't a character I cared too much for, don't hate her, and I don't want people blowing up your podcast with, what is this girl thinking? <laughs> but I love the art design. No one listens to this thing anyway. Oh, it, okay. they should. <laughs> I'll give it a bump. So um, there you go. <laughs> But yeah, I saw this artwork and I was completely blown away and I thought, okay, this is perfect. It gives me a chance to challenge myself. I bought some high-end $60 a yard sequin fabric that if you brush it one way, it's a mother of pearl. If you brush it the other way, it's like this opaque white. And it's my first time working with this kind of fabric. So the uh, the various characters in either movies or in comic books or, or, or regular books, they're so well developed by the industry, by the authors, by the creators of the, the movies and that the... the the characters, even though they're fictional, they have really in-depth personalities that are developed by the creators. Do you find that you kind of fall in love more with the personality or just the visual aspect of that of that costume? Usually it's the personality. Um, if there's something about the personality that resonates with me, they go on the top of the list. I try to cosplay them immediately. Princess Serenity was kind of on my to cosplay list for a while. 
And in that case, that was one of the few instances where I loved the artwork more than the character. To me, the character was always just kind of the ultimate Girl Scout. She was a good character, a good queen, or, you know, good royalty, but it just seemed kind of a flat character to me. But then when I saw the design, I was like, you know what? Flat character or not, I've got to do this design. Uh, a couple years ago, I remember going to a first robotics tournament, which I seem to go to way too many of those. <laughs> or maybe I don't go to enough of them. But anyway, I go to a lot of those. And... Uh, at the George Brown Convention Center in Houston. And at the same time, in, in another part of that building, there was some version of an anime convention or a cosplay convention of some sort. And so all of the robotic students nerds, and they're always dressed up in their team outfit, and they've got a lot of team spirit. So they're kind of dressed funny in a traditional, you know, if you just, people walking down the street, they're dressed kind of weird. The anime people were dressed kind of weird. And it occurred to me that, that in this environment, both sets of those weird dressed people fit in just fine. But if they're walking down Main Street in Des Moines, Iowa, uh, that looks kind of weird. Do you ever get that where people, if you're dressed in costume and walking out in public somewhere, walking to a convention or something, that you get people looking at you weird? Is it embarrassing, those kind of things? There's maybe like 30 seconds of embarrassment, but then usually the people on the street absolutely adore seeing it. Okay. Um, I've, I've walked to a photo shoot where I'd have to walk three or four blocks away from the convention, and people would stop me and just, you know, can I get a photo, please? I'd absolutely... Or, you know, there's the really fun time when I'm leaving a photo shoot and I'm low on fuel and I have to stop at a gas station in this outfit and fuel up the car and people just love it. Little kids are waving at you. That's really cool. You know, cool. the adults will kind of do that smile face point thing where they're like, ah, I see you there. And you're just like, yeah. I can imagine it's, it's a, uh, about as much about a confidence as anything. If you just, you know, get out of the car and walk in a public, but if you truly own the character, oh, people yes. will embrace it. But if you're kind of, it's actually kind of shy easier or if whatever. you own the character because people absolutely love it. It's like seeing, you know, a Disney character on the street. You know, you, you get to see, oh my gosh, all of a sudden there's Snow White and she's in character and she looks amazing. And it just makes your day. They get to go home and tell somebody, hey, you know, I was just on my way to work and I saw Snow White. Just, you know, maybe it's somebody going to a photo shoot, but she looked amazing. It seems to make people's day to me. You know, Very once cool. you get over the uh, the confidence hurdle, I, I really think it's it's generally genuinely accepted. So going back to the photography process, I, I walked in here. You guys were kind of in the middle of a photo shoot uh, about an hour ago, and and you were doing various poses, which I I know nothing really about this <laughs> industry. But but how do you decide which poses that you want out of your your photographs, and and how do you how do you how do you figure that out? Which poses oh, you want? Honestly, I kind of it's an amalgam of tailoring it towards who the character is and who the photographer is. Um, if it's a photographer that's just going to take a shoot, there's no composite work or anything of that nature. I pose in a certain way. So for Poison Ivy, it's going to be pinup boudoir poses. Since Chris does a lot of composite work, I do that, but then I add an extra element. I try to do more with my hands. I try to work angles more because I know. There might be a photo where there's a hand gesture, where there's an angle, um, there, where there's a way I'm hitting the lighting that's going to inspire him to put more into the photo. He may say she's got her hand up and the light is hitting her hand. I want a plant bursting out of her hand to envelop her enemies versus me just hitting a generic boudoir pose where he might go, I can't do much with this. I might take everything away and just kind of have her on her a generic bed of roses. So you're, you're not the right character in today's costume for the following question, but imagine a character with a, a sword as part of their natural uh, powers or whatever. I can imagine posing as though you're holding a sword <laughs> but not actually doing so, then you add I in a sword a later. I have a martial arts background, so okay. I, you know, I know the basics of how to hold a sword, but as somebody who understands martial arts, I know to research the sword itself, how you hold a katana is not how you're going to hold a rapier is not how you're going to hold a broadsword. 
I would do that extra element, but then you can also do certain types of angles. Some poses are universal. Um, you know, you're holding the sword up in front of your face so that the blade goes across your nose. The, the photographer can have a field day with that. But then you can do some poses that are just for the katana, some poses that are just for the rapier. Okay. And it adds just kind of an element of drama to the photo. Usually props are a great thing to bring into a photo shoot because you can actually use it for inspiration. So, Chris, from, from your end, do you have to teach uh, models how to how to pretend like they're holding something? Or do you say, okay, look, let's actually hold the sword this time versus compositing uh, it's it? It's one of later. the reasons I have so many props laying around because yeah. a lot of times I forget theirs or they don't have it or they don't own one of their own. So, like... Um, I try and do shoots uh, oftentimes with props because it just gives that more another layer to the, the photo. Um, and especially when I'm doing an action shot. Uh, I do a lot of action shots just because they're so dynamic and epic looking. Um, so if they're holding a sword and they don't know if I don't... Actually, this happens a lot with bows. So if they have a bow and arrow, a lot of people don't know how to hold a bow and make it look like they're shooting it. Yeah. Like you really have to pull hard back, and True. to make it look like that's an action. So is it easier doing. for you to add that in with the CGI later, or is it easier for that to teach them how to it hold it? It really robo? depends on the object, but um, yes, uh, I do sometimes put in the object later, uh, depending on what it is. Um, but most of the time, it's a lot. It the image looks more authentic when they actually are holding something. So. So I know you, you've been doing photography for a number of years. You're incredibly talented at photography and video and all of that kind of stuff. Is there something about cosplay photography that you just you're, that itches your creative brain that you can't get anywhere else? Or, or could you easily transfer this into nature photography or something else? Uh, I'll back up and, and give you kind of a history of where I come from uh, in that field. Just like... Um, as you know, me and you have worked at NASA, so I worked there for four years doing uh, video, uh, photography, that kind of thing. So I, I was shooting a lot of, uh, you know, rockets and robots and engineers doing their things, trying to document what they, what they were doing. So, uh, And then on the weekends, I would go and go to car, car shows and shoot cars. So um, it's each subject ma the subject matter changes so like th and then so in turn that would make the photo totally different and make you approach it in a totally different way so a car doesn't move it just sits there and it doesn't you can't talk to it and tell it what to do so you have to move learn to move around and or pop a wheelie just yeah, for one picture and get certain <laughs> uh, uh different uh, positions and let the light reflect off the metal and things like that and same with robots and things like that when and when they can't move so um but when you're working with people um uh, like engineers or cosplayers or singers you can kind of interact with them and give them a guidance on how to pose and how to uh position themselves so it's uh i think uh photography in itself is just uh, uh, such a, a wide range of art that you can do with that and just being able to interact with a certain subject and not only a person in front of you but a character that doesn't exist in real life is just it just adds another layer to it and another it just, layer of i just there, love yeah. layers i'm a photoshop guy so layers are awesome <laughs> <laughs> layers are definitely good for that 
Yeah, you're doing this out of your house now, or as we described earlier, you're, you're in your garage. Do you have, uh, I, know, I know you've had a full-time job as well, but do you have uh, a kind of a long-term goal that you will actually get a real film studio and a storefront and, and go do this as a, a real full-time thing? I'm more of a go-with-the-flow kind of guy, so <laughs> uh, I, don't real ha- I don't have like a, a major goal for this. It's more of a fun hobby that also gives me money sometimes. Okay, um, sometimes. <laughs> um, I do a lot of volunteer shoots, um, a lot of free work, but I've learned that that pays for itself in the long run. You have yeah. to be patient and you have to give your full 100 per, 110% to your work and to your craft and that will pay off in tenfold down the line. That's definitely a good bit of advice from the photography and what about you Heather on the cosplay and what what do you know now that you wish you knew when you started this either whether that's modeling in front of the camera or knowing how to make your outfits do you have lessons learned that that you wish you knew a few years back? Oh my, um, probably the sewing skills because the, starting out I was a little more ambitious and I would chew up hundreds of dollars worth of fabric trying to do something that I didn't quite have the expertise for. And now that I've got the expertise, I really wish I had that back in the day. And also when you start out with a new hobby, you've got these grand visions, you've got these ambitions, and you want to accomplish them sooner. Um, There's a lot of cosplays I still want to make that I probably don't have the experience for yet, but I'm willing to level up. Okay. Uh, So, yeah, like you mentioned earlier, there is... uh there's uh, two aspects of your end of this is that knowing how to make the costume and, and be the person or the personality, but then also knowing how to get that transferred onto film. So, so you've got a, a lot of experience on knowing how to, how to actually be a model. I, that came with a lot of experience, and it's funny you bring that up because I brought two cosplays to this photo shoot, two different character personalities. The first one was a character by the name of Katori from a series called Love Life, and she is from a... Um, Japanese idol group where they sing and they dance and they put on little performances and she's the good girl So I know when I'm in front of the camera the poses for her are going to be very sweet. They're going to be um, It's not going to have that element of strength and sexuality It's going to be soft curves softer expressions a couple of anime expressions Versus Poison Ivy where it's going to be strong aggressive and upfront with the sexuality. So do you find um, I guess like an, an actor or an actress do you find that you're changing your mental uh, Perspective when you're getting into the different character or is your mind changing characters oh, as well as yes your outfit? Yes, it does actually uh, when I was doing Katori I kept thinking about you know Some sweet little pop songs. I remember thinking my poses need to be more ballet and I was going through my ballet days point your toes soft curves Keep your chin up, soft expressions, you know, sparkles and flowers and rainbows and all the cute little things. And when it came to Ivy, I'm like, stand your ground. So it's kind of like you're turning on your 15-year-old brain versus maybe a 30-year-old brain or something, right? Yes, and, you know, it's kind of fun when you cosplay the supervillains because there's a strength to them. There's, There's a strength, and they don't really budge in what their ambitions and their goals are. And it's kind of fun to step into those kind of shoes and feel like you can take over the world. So, again, with the two different aspects of what you're doing is building the costumes and also being the model, if there's someone out there brand new to this that is, that's starting to think that, hey, this is a hobby I want to try to get get started in, what are, what's some advice to them? How, how do they get good at modeling? Oh. How do they get good at making outfits? I would say just get in there and do it, honestly. You know, the, the cosplay community is a fabulous community. Like all communities, there's the darker sides. But on the most, everybody's very accepting and accommodating. If you email somebody and say, I love this character, what fabric did you use? 
you'll get your answer. They'll say, you know, I used a stretch mesh. I, I used uh, silk. I used this. Uh, when it comes to posing, it's just a matter of getting in front of the camera and getting the experience. I, th I think I see some parallels between you modeling and posing versus also the local acting th scene. Uh, it, do you think that would be a good good way to get that started? That is a great comparison. Uh, I kind of dabbled a lot in a little of everything. I was sitting there, okay. you know, I did ballet, martial arts. I, I did have an acting agent for a while, went to some acting classes. Um, you really, if you want these photos to pop, it's always best to embody the character. Got now, it. there are some generic poses that transfer, you know, if you're a martial artist and you're doing a video game martial art character or a comic book martial art character, you can do some of those generic poses. But if you're cosplaying a good girl martial art, uh, martial artist, her poses are going to be so very different from a video game martial artist that's a super villain. Okay. Same question to you, Chris. So if there's someone out there brand new to all of this and they're thinking, man, it'd be cool to learn photography and learn how to do the composites. Uh, I know that's a multi-year process to get good at all of those things, but what is some advice of how to get started and what to kind of hone your skills on? Uh, it's pretty similar uh, answer, just do it. Um, uh, most of my learning was uh, through a couple of mentors and, you know, schooling, but uh, a lot of it is from uh, online and interacting with other artists, um, uh, watching YouTube tutorials, there's tons of free content out there that I e still watch today, trying to you know hone in on how what my style is, and that's that's a that's a, a like ninety percent of what it is. Uh, uh, you know, when you're starting to become a photographer, is honing in on your style and what do, what does your art look like. In the beginning, I was all over the place. I was trying to find what my art should be looking like, and and you can uh, you know, go out and look at other art and stuff, and that kind of inspires you a little bit. I, I do you know, dabble in comic book covers and uh, you know, movie posters and trying to, to kind of uh, compare those with my work, but it's, it's, it's a good thing to not compare too much because then you're going to put yourself down. Oh, it's not good enough. Oh, it's, it, you know, I'm not trying hard enough or it, the style's not right or you're, you're second guessing yourself. Don't, yeah. it, that's a, not a good thing to do when you're trying to start out. You should just go in, dabble in everything. Don't worry about it. And, uh, and eventually you'll get your style over time. You got to be patient with it. And over time, you'll find your style and, and, and your craft. I got a, well, a few episodes ago, I uh, had a chance to sit down with Tony Parana. He was the featured artist at the Bayou City Art Festival, one of the premier art festivals in the country. And he was selected by that festival to be the guy they put on billboards, the guy they put on the T-shirt. So he's legitimately good at his craft. Uh, and he readily admits that he has no formal education in art. But it was much of the same thing, is that you just kind of dig in and you build your own style. You build your own education background. You, you, you know, if you take all the classes in the world, you'll probably be a good mimicker of someone else's art. I have never taken a photography class. Yeah, so that, that, so there that, you go. So, so <laughs> that's pretty much the same answer that, that Tony said, that, it, that if you just kind of dig in and you give it all you've got, that you will develop your skill set that fits your style, and, and that's better than any class you can take. Very good. I, I suspect that applies also to doing yeah. costumes, right? Oh, yeah. And like I said, I, I, might, I took like a, a two-week class, and I'm using air quotes on that, from this little mom-and-pop place, and they just showed you the basics. They showed you how to read a pattern. They showed you how to use the sewing machine, and that was it. And from there, it was just tenacity. It was um, YouTube tutorials. It was other cosplayers willing to share information. It was my own ambition to just get out there and do it that really progressed me in my craft. 
Very cool. Uh, one question I wanted to ask you, Chris, is that you've got a lot of things, a lot of layered images in. I suspect some of those are publicly available images, like moons and planets and whatever you put in the background. Do you have to worry about uh, any intellectual property rights? How does that work from a legal perspective? So I, I definitely, that's a big thing when compositing is because you're using other images and things like that. Um, I tend to go to um, uh, look for, you know, like royalty-free or, or non-copyrighted images. And you go you can go on Google and type that in as part of the search uh, preferences. Yeah, and, and there's things. a couple other search engines just for that as well. Exactly. So yeah. you, you can even go on Flickr and search, you know, free images and, and things like that that will pop up that you, sh you won't have to worry about copyright or anything like that. But a lot of my stuff is my own, like, textures and okay. things. You do, uh, a lot of what I do is go out and photo walk and go and get new textures and take pictures of different and things like that. So Got it. So we're here in uh, Sugarland, Texas, just a, I don't know, a short drive southwest of Houston, Texas. Uh, about 5 million people in the metropolitan area. Perhaps you'll get a few new customers if there are listeners nearby. Give an idea of um, what's the price range for to come in and get a, a photo shoot. Is, you know, how do, is that 50 bucks? Is that 500 bucks? Where, where, where's the range? Uh, it's it's a range from uh, around thirty bucks if you're at a con. Uh, I'm going to a Victoria Comic Con in January that I'll be uh, doing a service of thirty dollars per photo. Victoria, Texas. Yes. Yeah. Um, and that's in January twentieth to the twenty first. Um, uh, and then there's the uh, more professional, more in depth shoot of a hundred dollars an hour um, if you want that done, and then you'll get like you know five to ten uh, images out of that. Got it. And as you've mentioned before, most of your time is not the hour of the shoot, but the hours and days exactly. and following <laughs> that to put the images yeah, together. Yeah, the edits so. take a while. A lot of layers, uh, a lot of hours in one image. So Yeah, very cool. Uh, it's hard to believe that we're actually already almost at an hour now on this thing. Um, we can keep going. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> well, we run out of uh, finger quote tape. It's not really a tape, but I'm going to say we run out of tape here in a little bit. But uh um, I know you also have a collection of old antique cameras. You've, you're quite the, uh, the shutterbug. Talk about your collection of uh, photo equipment. Yeah, I, I do have some old cameras. Uh, it's a little collection I've been starting. Um, it's, I, I actually don't know anything about non-digital uh, photography. I don't know how, you know, I know the, a little bit about the process, but I've never shot with one. So it's more of a collection. It's more of a visual thing. I'm a photographer. So, hey, look at my collection. It's weird that I, I knew you had that, but I didn't know that it was right in front of me until right now yeah. when you, you looked over there. It's like, okay. Yeah, I do have one of the first um, Graflex cameras um, that I just received uh, from my uncle. Uh, he knew a, a photographer that, and those are one of the first um cameras use in like the news media so that was kind of cool to very cool that. yeah that, that's neat to kind of have the history of what you're doing and the old analog history and you're really capturing i like digital. vintage stuff vintage cars vintage cameras like the quality of the the product is so cool very cool is it is there a similar um parallel to that in the cosplay or is there kind of a vintage costume collection of any sort is that a thing that people do but I was thinking about the hoarding tendencies of some of us cosplayers. Ah, like myself, yeah. I have two giant tubs of fabric that okay. I might actually need to invest in a third tub. I've got, you know, soldering tools, heat gun, all this miscellaneous stuff, all in the name of creating costumes. And it's funny because some of the, house, uh, the Houston cosplay community is talking about getting together and doing swaps because they have materials they're never going to use. They've got bolts of fabric they're never going to touch. 
I'm in the same vein. I, I would just shop and I would see a clergy print brocade and I would buy three or four yards of it. And I've had it for about five years. I've only used it once and I've still got like three yards of it left. So if you're out shopping with friends and, uh, and they're buying normal t-shirts and you're out buying these weird goofy fabrics that no one ever sees, uh, do you, how, what do your friends think of this hobby you've got? They actually really like it. They think it's entertaining. The problem is uh, usually they're like, oh, you make these gorgeous costumes. Can you make me one for Halloween? And they don't understand the cost effectiveness of it, how much work is put into it. They're usually wanting, you know, like a full-scale head-to-toe Batman outfit, you know, with all the different layers of fabric and material for $40. And I'm thinking $40 isn't even going to make that cowl, sweetie. I'm sorry. You know, you can go to the spirit store, but if you want the quality stuff, it gets it's going to cost some money. Yeah, we were talking before we turned on the microphones here about some of the costumes getting to be, you know, crazy expensive, up in the thousands of dollars oh, for some yes. things. and. And uh, even a, a modest uh, costume is a few hundred dollars to do oh, well. yes, it so. is. Uh, actually, tossing this one out there, a cosplayer I absolutely adore is Ni uh, Night Mage. And he sets his budget at $200. And he buys spirit store stuff, repurposes it, and then he does charity with it. And he's done so much charitable works that a couple of years ago, President Obama presented him with like a presidential certification because he raised over $50,000 worth of money for charities. Wow, very cool. Um, I think we are going to wrap up here. Um, I'm not sure exactly how much time we've got left on the uh, recording. We've got a little bit of time. But uh, uh, how do we keep it, get in touch with you if we want to uh, invite you to a comic? Uh, oh, or look to at Holly Gloha, H-O-L-L-Y, uh, and then a space, G-L-O-H-A. I've got a Facebook page, Instagram, Twitter, and a lot of entertaining photos to look at, you know, because of photographers like Chris. Okay, and you're available to go do shows or do a birthday parties or whatever, love huh? To. Well, I don't know about birthday parties. That gets a little interesting, but I'll do okay. conventions. I, okay. I figured this is the year I'm going to try and get myself back out there. Very cool. And Chris, how do we get in touch with uh, Cosplay Composites? Uh, at Cosplay Composites on Facebook and Instagram and uh, www.cosplaycomposites.com. Very cool. Anything else you guys want to add on here? Thank you for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Yeah, good. That yeah, was fun. Yeah, I'm glad glad to have you. The time always goes by so quick, right? We've been at an hour. It seems like 20 minutes. <laughs> I got uh, tons of cosplayers you, you can interview in the future. Very cool. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you for listening to the Luminovation Podcast. We'll see you all next time. Thanks. and thank you for listening to the Luminovation Podcast, where we shine a light on innovation, creativity, entrepreneurship, and the creative people who make our world a better and more interesting place to live.